today I want to talk to you about this something that there's a statement that I hear a lot of people say from time to time and you know just some things you kind of hear over and over again and just get your attention and they cause you to really kind of think on something or pray on something and this statement that I hear a lot is God helps those who help themselves has anybody heard that before if you've heard somebody say that right and you know something about that statement that's just especially a lot of times when you hear it the context that you're hearing it in or the way people are using it it just I don't know it just kind of challenges me to dig a little deeper into into that and we obviously many of us we might have even said that ourselves before I'd say there's probably been a point where I've even thrown that out there not thinking about it yeah well God helps those who help themselves and you know it's even when you look I researched it a little bit too it's one of the top 10 most commonly misquoted uh, Bible verses meaning it's not actually in the Bible but it's one of the top 10 things that are used statements or whatever phrases that are not actually in Scripture and a lot of times people think that it is you guys want to hear some of the other ones yeah you want to hear some of the other ones or do you <laughs> we'll see some of you are gonna be like oh back to back to Bible school <laughs> Okay, now some of these, it's not that they're bad statements, it just, it's just that they're not actually in Scripture or in Scripture the way that they're quoted, okay? When praises go up, the blessings come down. Now, I would say that that concept is sound. I mean, we experience that, right? It just isn't in the Scriptures that way. Number two is God helps those who help themselves. That's what we're talking about today. Uh, number three, God will never give you more than you can bear. Now, that's not actually quoted that way, but it's in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, as no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So that's kind of a stretch. I mean, that's, that concept is definitely biblical. Touch and agree. I've never heard that one, but apparently people think if you touch something and then agree on it, that somehow that physical touch has something to do with it. Uh, this too shall pass. And... Of course, we know that uh, nothing, all things uh, are temporary, so the concept is sound, but it's not that quoted that way in Scripture. Love the sinner, hate the sin. We know Jesus did, but it's not actually in Scripture. A fool and his money are soon parted. To thine own self be true. I don't even know if I know what that one means. <laughs> Charity begins at home, and a penny saved is a penny earned. Do people actually think that one was in the Bible? It's interesting. That's Benjamin Franklin, right? So anyway, say we're going to seminary today. <laughs> Back to Bible school, right? So, uh, so God helps those who help themselves. And like a lot of things that we see, uh, we hear in Scripture or phrases or concepts that we, we embrace, if we just sort of embrace something in a simple form, and think that that's all that there is to it then a lot of times it can cause us to maybe get the wrong 
picture or the wrong view or ultimately, you know, move forward and, and handle ourselves or act in such a way that's not necessarily in line with something that's really solid uh, and biblical. So my, my comment to this is God helps those who help themselves. I want you to ask yourself that question. Like, what do I think about that today? Do I believe that that's true? Uh, do I believe it's not true? Have I said that? Have I heard it used? You know, and my comment is, is that there's more to it than that. There's just more to it than that. So say that with me. Say, there's just more to it than that. Like many other things that we hear about or that we talk about in the Bible, there's just a little bit more to it than that. And the challenge is, is if you embrace something just there by itself, that one simple uh, concept, that there can be more things uh, to the picture that we don't necessarily allow ourselves to travel down the road of, of thinking about or looking at. So if we think about God helps those who help themselves, one thing that we can err on the wrong side of is that people can, they say, okay, well, that's true. So there's a, there's a good aspect there, I think, where it's like, okay, God's going to give his supernatural power and his assistance, and he's going to bring help to people who are being obedient, who are following the commands of Scripture, who are doing the things that God is telling them to do, which is a good thing. But if we think that that's true just in itself, that one of the issues that sometimes people can get caught up in is that they think somehow that their obedience or that their right decisions have are, are some, somehow the key in a formula to that's how we get blessed. That's how we know God is going to help us is when we're doing all the right things and we're walking in obedience and not erring off the mark. That if we're off the mark, then somehow that means we're not going to get blessed. God's not going to help us. He's not going to step in and intervene and do something, right? So that's kind of on one extreme. But on the other side of things, if we, if we feel like, well, that's entirely not true, because God is merciful and he doesn't, we, we have nothing to do with how, with him helping us, then the good side of that, I think, is that we understand that we don't deserve God's mercy and his grace, that he gives it to us, but people can tend to think that somehow our obedience or our right decisions are totally irrelevant to being blessed, that somehow God just does whatever he wants, whenever he wants, and however he wants, and that our following him in faith and being obedient to his commands in scripture are completely irrelevant to getting blessed and having his mercy and grace upon us. And, you know, people can tend to get on one side or the other on things like this, kind of in one camp or another, uh, a lot of times just because of the way, the things that they've seen in their own life or the things that they've experienced. You know, for example, if, if we're in situations where we've seen a lot of people that are just wrecking their lives over and over again and they've had multiple opportunities to kind of come out of that and and people have tried to help them and do things but they just keep making the wrong decisions over and over again and they just keep suffering the consequences of those bad decisions you know people that go through have gone through a lot of that you could see I could at least how they might be on the side where they say well you know, look, somehow, somewhere along the line, you got to help yourself. You know, if God's going to help you, you've got to help yourself. But on the other side of that, if we're a person or we know somebody that's just been in a little like a pit of hell and the worst kind of situation in our life and we are doing nothing 
to, de to deserve God's grace. We're certainly not doing anything to help ourselves, so to speak. But God has actually come in and intervened and pulled that person up from out of that pit and really done something to just turn their life around. And now they're rescued from that and moving forward into a new part of their life. Well, then that person might think there's no way God does helps those who help themselves. I didn't deserve that, right? So a lot of times those things can have to do with what the experiences that we've gone through have been or what we've seen in our lives. But it's just there's just more to it than that, than one side or the other. And and Bible the Bible scripture is not intended to to kind of create confusion uh, about truth, right? Jesus comes along and he has a way with things like this, like many other cases or many other things that we think about in the Bible or, or that we, principles that we try to apply in our life, Jesus has a way of coming along and kind of marrying the things together to give an actual center of the road, like a truth and an instruction and a, and a command on how we can move forward. And I, I submit to you today that in this concept, in this premise, that God helps those who help themselves, Jesus has given us a really good picture of how we should view this kind of thing in our lives. And if you've got your Bibles with me, we're going to go to a story in the book of John, chapter 8. And it's the story of the woman who's caught in adultery who they're going to stone. So, John chapter 8, pop quiz. Who wrote the Gospel of John? Anybody? John, very good, yeah. Everybody's a little scared to say, right? Just shout out the answer if you know. Who wrote the Gospel of Luke? Luke. Who wrote the Gospel of Nehemiah? Ah, actually, ah. Many people, theologians, believe it was Ezra that wrote the book of Nehemiah. Who wrote the book of Moses? <laughs> There's no book of Moses. <laughs> Got you guys a little on edge there today, huh? All right. John chapter 8, verse 1. We're going to read this story, the first 11 verses, and then kind of go through and break it down. It says, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple... And all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued to ask him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, I feel that this story gives us a lot to really uh, peer into and see about a lot of things that are going to 
be applicable in our own lives as we move along, probably have been uh, even up to this point. Because Jesus is coming along, and the first thing that, that we see here that we w- I want to point out is that we know that this woman is guilty of this sin. We know that this is the case, the way Scripture lays this out. She's been caught in the very act, it says. So there's no dispute and no question about the fact, is she innocent or is she guilty, right? So she's in sin. And so if she's, if she's in sin and she's been living a life of adultery like this, then what she's basically been doing, think about this, is that she has been doing things that will ultimately wreck her life. We know that a life of sin is going to just bring nothing but destruction and harm to us, right? So she's been living a life that's harmful and reckless and just basically destroying the life that she has. Certainly, it's going to potentially destroy the marriage that she does have. And she's guilty of this. So she's not doing anything that we would say she's helping herself out here you know jesus helps those who helped themselves right well this woman she's not doing anything to help herself i mean she's willfully going into this life of sin away from the of the things that we know that the old testament tells us that we're not to do so she's doing that uh willingly which it's interesting here too another thing i think about it says that they caught her in the very act and this is just like conjecture or you know observation but they probably had to catch her at night in the act because that doesn't normally happen these times they didn't do these things during the day right so it just goes to show you like the extent sometimes that people are really willing to go to to just cast judgment or to find guilt on others as opposed to maybe being more focused on how they're living their own life or the ways that you know they're walking out what God has told them to do but we know that she's guilty of this we know that that she's been in sin and that she's not doing anything to help herself but she's ultimately doing things that are going to wreck her own life and Jesus doesn't dismiss this He doesn't just disregard the sin. He doesn't do away with it. He doesn't act like it's it's no big deal. He doesn't act like, oh, you know what? Don't worry about it. You know, I mean, he doesn't do any of that at all. But he comes along and he does something that's so interesting and so profound that it, it, it basically shakes the entire town, all the people that are involved in this incident right here. And, and what they think is the Pharisees, they think they've got him cornered, right? They think they've got Jesus ensnared here because they know that he's been going around and he's teaching mercy and he's teaching forgiveness and he's teaching that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do things for you, right? I'm going to be compassionate on the sinner. Yet they also know that the Old Testament says thou shalt not commit adultery and actually even gives permission that when someone is caught in adultery that they could be killed. The Old Testament laws permitted that. So they think they've got him. There's no way, no possibility here that Jesus can judge sin, that he can can stay true to this is wrong, this is a sin, and it needs to be uh, held accountable, but at the same time, be this merciful, compassionate, grace-giving Messiah that he's claiming to do. They think there's no way that this can happen. And so they put him to the test, and they say things like, 
So Jesus, this woman was caught in adultery. She was caught in the act. And, you know, the Old Testament, Moses said that when that happens, that they should be put to death. Now, this is just a little side point, but piece of advice. Not really a good idea to quote scriptures to Jesus. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's kind of like, yeah, I know what it says. I wrote the book. You know, I mean, he's the <laughs> So they're, they're kind of coming at him. They think they've got him pinned and they've got him cornered. And I love the way that, that, that Jesus does this, right? He kind of dips down and he writes in the dirt. And I mean, he's just as cool as can be. Everything Jesus does is like, he's just a cool cat, right? He's, he's got it all figured. He's dipping down. They need to act like he doesn't hear him write something in the dirt. Nobody knows what he wrote in the dirt, by the way. There's a lot of people that, I think he wrote this. I think he wrote that. I'll bet you when we get to heaven, that'll be on the top 10 list of frequently asked questions that Jesus is, oh, Jesus, I guess I got to know, what did you write down there in the dirt, right? And then probably nobody will be right. But he dips down, he writes there, and he's just as cool as can be. And, uh, and then he stands up and he says, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And it's like everything just stops and stands still. Because what he's done is he's, he's managed now he has not dismissed the sin. He has not made light of the sin. And he has not basically permitted the sin. And he's recognized that this, he's not, he's still recognizing that this woman is doing something that's reckless and wrong and that she's hurting herself and that harm and destruction are going to come. But he is also managing to bring this merciful, compassionate heart to the situation and when he says this it causes every single person to look back at themselves instead of looking at the person they're accusing and the only response that they have is that they drop their stone and they walk away and here this woman is left standing before the face of Jesus and he says right woman who is left standing where are your accusers and she says there's no one here now she's not trying to argue the fact that she's guilty she's recognizing in front of the face of Jesus here that that she's guilty of this sin but then what Jesus does is he extends this compassion and this forgiveness and he just he basically says it's no one here is condemning you I'm not going to condemn you and he meets her in this place where she's at where she's just totally out there not doing anything to help herself, not doing anything to improve her situation, not doing anything to follow the commands of Scripture. He meets her way out there in this area that's so far away from what most people view as this is what you should be doing so God can help you. This is how you should be living so God can bless you. He goes all the way out there. He meets her in this place and he helps her. He extends mercy and he extends compassion and he lends a hand and he helps her to be able to get back on track, to be able to move into the place now where she can live this life that he has for her. And I would just say to this that, listen, many, many times we're all, and just like all the people drop their stone, they realize we're, we're all at some point in our lives been in a place where we've done something or we've been somewhere where we are not, we, we recognize that we've been guilty of doing things that are not helping ourselves or not living the right way where Jesus would be able to so-called bless us, right? So they recognize that they've all been there. 
And it, it shows us that sometimes that mercy and that compassion, though undeserved, is really like the trigger point if you will, the catalyst to be able to meet a person in the place that they are and be able to start getting them back and moving them in a direction where they can start living the life that God has for them. They're not doing anything to help themselves seemingly, right? But God is willing to go and meet them there and bring them from that place and start moving them out. And that's so powerful because it just says that we don't have to be doing exact like living perfectly or, or doing the right things and sometimes we can get led astray and God is willing to come and meet us where we are in those places and sort of take us by the hand and lend that mercy and compassion and say listen I'm not going to condemn you for this but what he says after that is really important he says but I tell you to sin no more and this is where I think the thing starts to come together, where these, this idea that we've got to live rightly and we've got to do the things that God has commanded us to do, but it's not conditional necessarily to God's love and his compassion and his mercy and his blessing and his favor all the time, right? He issues her a charge to go and sin no more. And he's, he's met her where she is. He's, he's extending this compassion but he's saying, okay, now that I've met you here, it's time for you to start moving forward away from this. You can't, you can't go back to this life. You can't go back and do these things that you've been doing, right? I want to I wanna show you a new path. I want to take you down a new road to be able to live differently and be able to live a life of obedience. Jesus would rather save than stone. But whenever he lends that mercy, he's going to issue a charge, right? He's going to say, okay, now it's time to rise up from above that and begin to follow me and to become obedient now and, and respond to this call and this charge that I'm giving you to go and sin no more. And I've seen many a people that over years and years and years have just somehow managed to get back into the same pit and the same thing over and over and over again. It's like they've started to come out of it a dozen, dozens of times and somehow end up back in that thing that they were ultimately just getting ready to start walking out of. It'd be really easy to look at that person and think, well, you know what, they're, they're just, it's hopeless. They're not willing to help themselves, not willing to do anything. God, you know, he's going to help them or help themselves and they're not doing anything to deserve that. But what I've noticed is that along those roads where people are in that pit, it's like they come to a point where they recognize that they're, they're out there and they're, they're in the wrong and they're guilty of the sin or they're guilty of this way of living that they know is not good, that it's not helping them, it's wrecking their lives. And they turn to Jesus and, and Jesus meets them where they're at. And it's like mercy and compassion and forgiveness are there. And then it's like, okay, sin no more and follow me. And they start to walk for a time to follow you know, God and to do the right things. And so now they're starting to come up out of that. And then all of a sudden they turn away and they go right back into that thing. And the lessons there are one, Jesus is, his mercy endures forever. 
right? He's going to forgive seven times seven, which is indefinitely. That sinner that goes out and that is repentful and turns to God, he's going to meet them and he's going to forgive them over and over and over again. But he's also issuing a charge and a challenge. Say, sin no more and follow me that they're expected to respond to and move forward to. And if they don't, they're never going to come up out of that thing and move on to the higher calling that God is calling them up to. And so while it's great that we serve a God that is infinitely forgiving and merciful that way, it's also important to note that, look, it's a far worse situation for the person that circles the same mountain over and over and over again, only to fall off into the same things that they've been falling off into time and time again. Because ultimately, Jesus is just having to come back and meet them in the same place over and over and over again. Are they going to be forgiven? Yes. But they're not moving up. They're not moving out of that thing and on to the higher callings that God has for their lives and the things that he has planned for them. And so, yes, we see that Jesus is giving her a charge to sin no more. He's forgiven her, but he's calling her up to a place now of obedience where there's a level of accountability and a response that's expected to the things that she has been living in. He's giving her a fresh start and meeting her in the place where she's at. But she has to begin to move forward now in a new way than what she has been before up until that time. He's sort of wiping the slate clean. So, we recognize that Jesus is, he's more severe on sin than anyone else could ever be, right? He hates sin. It's against who he is. But at the same time, he's man, he manages to be more compassionate towards the sinner than anyone else could be. Amen, if you agree with that. And so, many of us, are going to find ourselves in moments and places where we recognize that God's mercy and his compassion have met us where we are. It's just like we've managed to get into a place, and it could be a, a lot of different things that you know somebody could get into or go a path that they could go down in their life, and we recognize that his mercy and his compassion has now met us where we are. And that that's the reason why we can now turn and, and say, okay, I've got a fresh start. I've got a fresh slate, kind of ready to move on now into a better place, into a higher calling that God has for me. All of us are going to be at a point like that or have been at a point like that. And so we, it's important to recognize that so that we can look at other people and understand with that same heart of compassion that Jesus did. Just like in many things, when we start to see what the heart of Jesus is about a matter, about a thing, it's important for us to now strive to have that same heart for people that Jesus did. And he recognized, listen, People are going to do things to get themselves in places or to walk off course of what God is maybe calling them to do and get themselves in places where if, if them getting out of it is conditional to them somehow turning themselves around and making their own right decisions and doing a bunch of good things to kind of move them up now to, to be able to start getting blessed again, there's a many of people that would have never have made it back around over time. 
And people are going to, to be in those places. And we recognize that Jesus is merciful and he's compassionate. And so their right decisions are not conditional to God being able to intervene and do something awesome in their lives. And when the mercy and the forgiveness has been issued like it did to this woman, that now they've got kind of a fresh start. And we need to have hope in that situation. Okay, this is a new, this is a new beginning here. And they can move forward, but they've got, we've got to respond to the call or that challenge, just like this woman had to respond to that call or challenge to begin to send them more to, to now walk in a life of obedience that God is calling her to. I want to go ahead and bring the team back up here. And, and we're going to worship a little bit more, but just this thing was just really heavy on me because... I feel like that a lot of times it's, it's just real easy to see the things that people aren't doing to get themselves on track or to, to recognize, you know, the error in the, in the situation or the actions or the things that people are doing, but it's harder to do what Jesus did, which is just to see that there's, there's mercy and compassion for someone can give them a fresh start when Jesus chooses to forgive them and that there's a new hope in the situation that they can move out of that thing and begin to walk forward in a, in a new level of victory up out of that thing that they've been, whatever it is that's been uh, leading them astray and down the wrong path. Let's stand to our feet.